Hello, and welcome to the show Gold Squadron Gays. It's the podcast where two Star Wars-loving gays break down each episode of their favorite Star Wars TV shows, while also being gay as hell. I'm your host, Bradley Brower. And I'm Charles Rogers, coming to you from my iPhone, because (laughs) literally as we set up to do this emergency recording, at the last minute, my computer's audio drivers just decided to fall over and die in classic Star Wars fashion, just fall over and die the second we needed them. Right. I apologize for my general audio. I know I promised the audio issues were over, but it turned out the force had other ideas. Right. Well, I'm not worried. I'm not too worried about it. You sound fine. I'm sure as long as uh, your headphones don't short circuit or something, you know, we'll be okay. (laughs) Knowing my luck, they might. Right. To quote Sid from this episode, I don't think we're that lucky. Right. But a bit of podcast behind the scenes. Bradley has recorded episodes on his iPhone before, and our guest Clayton slash Hydra, because she records from generally from the road. Guys, if you want to know what, what the life of a, a podcasting producing team sounds like, <laughs> it's a lot of this and bitching about Marvel shit. Right. I'm waiting for the day, waiting for the day when we just have a producer. We don't have to do anything ourselves. We're just there to show up and we just need to talk. That's all. That's what I want. If only, if only. Unfortunately, we are both trained producers. So, right. That's part of the problem. Before we, uh, before we dive in to the episode, which, uh, get ready, folks, get excited because this one's going to be spicy. This, my least favorite episode of the bad batch thus far i want to talk about two news things one lgbtq plus related and tv related real fast the lgbtq plus one i have been reading the wave of the high republic uh so i read the rising storm and i've read uh race to crash point tower It is so gay. (laughs) Like, comparatively, it is so gay. I actually wrote down three characters that I wanted to spotlight. Okay. Um, Real fast. This is is totally self-indulgent. This is completely self-indulgent. All right. But I wanted to bring up Kentem Sai. They are a human Jedi master that is featured in the High Republic Adventures. They were there first, but they've now appeared in Race to Crash Point Tower. What's cool about Cantum Psy is that they are non-binary. Okay. And referred to by they, them pronouns in a children's book, which I thought was pretty cool, personally. Uh, Ty Yorick, who appears in Race to Crash Point Tower, but is identified to be a lesbian, I think. I think. Yeah, I, I think she's implied to just be into women in The Rising Storm. Okay. And then uh, Kit So is the other character who is the Supreme Chancellor's son who the whole, his whole subplot in The Rising Storm is like he shows up with his mom to the Republic Fair and immediately just starts crushing on this other politician's kid and keeps trying to like awkwardly find ways to spend time alone with him. And that ends up playing a role in the actual plot of the book. Okay. So remember when I said last week, I made the offhand comment, like, I'm sure it's gay. I'm sure hoping it's, it's going in that direction. Without spoiling, it goes in that direction. But the reason I liked that subplot particularly so much was I was imagining myself at age 15, 16, when I was sort of questioning my sexuality and how comfortable I was in trying to overcome those hurdles. If I had read something as simple as this particular subplot about an awkward gay teenager... Right. In a Star Wars book, that would have helped me so much. And I think it's awesome that they're putting that in there now. Yeah. So that people like me 
growing up now, maybe it could help them. So totally self-indulgent, but I wanted to bring up the High Republic is really good. It's really gay. I'm still trying to talk Bradley into figuring out a way that he can experience these, but we may have to wait for the acolyte for you, Bradley. I'm not sure. Hopefully it keeps the gayness. I was going to say, we're going to have to wait for the Acolyte, and then maybe if the Acolyte is really popular, they'll go and retroactively make the Republic stuff into TV shows or something. They, like, they might. I can, I can definitely see gaps, and we're only in... So this is wave two of phase one, and phase one is mostly just books and comics right now. Oh, if talking so about expanding out into other stuff, I like was the say, acolyte. So, right. So maybe like if they, I don't know, this is just me guessing. Maybe this, once these stories are kind of setting up all these characters and people like are attached enough, they'll go, hey, let's make a cartoon show out of it and then call it a day. And then, right. be like, you know, they've done some neat little animations that mm-hmm. you can find that like introducing the characters that are pretty neat. So, I'm hoping, fingers crossed, that when it branches out into other media, it keeps up the level of representation it's got. Because seeing a non-binary character referred to by they, them pronouns in a children's book Mm -hmm. was awesome. So applause to Del Rey for, for that. Moving on to the TV thing. Yes. So today, at time of recording this, it is Friday night. Um... Is it is it Friday, Bradley? Uh, well, it's Saturday for me, but it's Saturday. <laughs> Time has no meaning for anyone. Uh, so earlier today, now it is just rumors at this point. Nothing has been confirmed by the trades or Lucasfilm Limited, but a lot of people who are generally reliable have broke the story today and corroborated the story today. They have found their Thrawn and Ezra. And again, we don't normally cover rumors, but I thought the amount we talk about Thrawn and Ezra on this show, right? this was a big enough, it seemed, confirmation that I wanted to run these names by you, Bradley, and see what you thought. So surprising no one, the report is that uh, Thrawn will be reprised uh, by Lars Mikkelsen, playing him in real... Uh, so we get another Katie Sackoff situation where she's moved, where he, he moves from the voice. Okay. And then the word on the street is that Mena Masoud has been cast in the role of Ezra. And Mena Masoud, apologies if I'm mispronouncing that name, is best known and, and really kind of only known for playing Aladdin uh, in the okay. live action. Film. wasn't now wasn't that name thrown around a couple like a while ago it was it was one of several names that was thrown around a while ago i mean i'm not shocked at all i'm just saying like i mean it's i just thought maybe he was too old too old um to play <laughs> well it is how long has it been it's been 10 years 15 years since the events of rebels is it I thought Rebels... No, oh, you're right, because Rebels is right before New Hope, basically. Yeah, so um, he's... He was born on on Empire Day. Okay. So that would make him... Fifth. We found the thing I should have researched before we started recording. Right, he's like 15 or 16 or something? Yeah, he's like 15 or 16. Mandalorian is seven years old. Okay. It would be safe to say it's been about 15 years. Yeah, he would be the right age. That, yeah, that's fine. I, I, he's not too old, so I yeah, guess. And based on what he said about like how difficult it's been for him to find roles, even after Aladdin. Yeah, I think he needs to cash another Disney check, frankly. Okay, you know what? That makes sense. Maybe it's kind of like one of those like we owe you kind of situations. Like you were quote, you know, you headlined a major Disney property remake live action for us therefore we owe you at least two more things or like a we know we can work with you kind of right, thing right right it's kind of like good like yeah once you yeah okay he's in with them he you know and it would have been very easy for him to be super frustrated with disney after right uh he 
couldn't get any really roles after the fact, but he didn't really, he didn't really bad mouth him that much. So I think it's a good, I, I liked, I liked the live action Aladdin while acknowledging it was garbage. I, I will say I liked it and his performance was part of what I liked about it. I thought he played off Will Smith very well. He got kind of screwed over by the movie he was in, so it would be nice to see him doing something else. So, whereas, like, I do agree with that, I still think that the voice actor Taylor Gray could also play him, though. Like, it wouldn't be that, that much is, of a stretch. Like, I will, I will give you that. That Taylor Gray, he might be a little young. He's twenty-seven. He might look a little young. <laughs> That's true, but I mean, maybe if he can grow facial hair, like, you know, it's not a big deal. Um, I just want everybody to know that the only reason why we're going off topic so badly is because this episode um, of Bad Batch was so bad. Oh, it I wasn't... Mean, okay, sorry. No, that's the wrong way. I, I shouldn't all, have said that. Star Wars is good Star Wars. Yes, exactly. But this is the discount gas station. You remember a couple of episodes ago, you got on my case for uh, eating the roller grill so much at QT? Yes. Okay, this is QT roller grill at two in the morning of Star Wars episodes. This was not a good episode. It was filler. Like, there was so much filler in this episode. LA called and they said, um, why did you guys steal all of our filler for all the housewives? Like, we need this back. Overall, I'll start with my impression of the episode. I had two yeah, big issues it. with it. Nobody really made a choice. And this has been an issue throughout the Bad Batch. No character really had to make a choice. And in Screenwriting 101, they teach you a character making a choice is what defines the plot of anything. And in this one, no characters really made choices. The other issue I had is that it's an idiot plot, which means that the plot only works if everyone in it is an idiot. Yeah. Because they make some staggeringly stupid decisions in this episode. The... My overall impression and just my, I guess I'll just say one good thing about the episode that I liked was I felt like this episode at least gave Sid some airtime to do something other than be the quest giver, you know? I do agree. And she sort of has a moment that I did note and we'll get to where it, it almost does seem like there is some character development happening for Sid, but it's literally one line. Yeah. I mean, I thought, I genuinely thought, like, watching this, I was like, oh, we're going to get something different. Like, maybe she's going to learn some lesson where it's like, you know, you can't always be nope. the one in charge or, like, I don't know, like, she has to maybe move on with her life because you can't just be, you know, like a sketchy kind of person. I don't know. There was just no lesson to be learned. It was just very much like, okay, now I'm back to, like, my job. Thank you. Everything status quo is restored. Right. At the very end of the episode. It was like, it was such a weird detour like it was just odd odd choices I'm, odd I'm not, everything it didn't yeah it didn't really go anywhere everything was kind of back to normal we didn't even the leave the, the planet episode. we did not which i was fine with but it really was like if you just plucked this episode completely out mm -hmm. it would not affect the plot well, the there are the some cool references and things in there, so let's let's dive in and get yeah, this started. Uh, we open with the Bad Batch returning from an off-screen mission. I am sort of hoping that they maybe kind of fill some of these in later with little one-offs, maybe in like young readers' books or something. I think it'd be cool to see some of these other missions they've gone on. Mm. Uh, but they return from one of these missions. Tech mentions, a lot of my notes are going to be, oh, this is a reference to this because there was nothing the fuck else to talk about in this episode. <laughs> right. Tech mentions, or no, it's Hunter that mentions uh, that they were, the landing zone was infested with Gundarks. Gundarks mentioned in uh, Empire Strikes Back and again in Attack of the Clones and finally seen in The Clone Wars where they gave Anakin and Obi-Wan trouble. Hmm. which is so it's impressive these guys took some of them on tech is annoyed because sid won't give them crucial mission intel they wander back into sid's bar and find it full of people i wrote down i wrote down full of cops question mark like i wasn't sure what they were 
what's going on here? They do kind of look like they're Coruscant cops. Yeah, I was like, are they soldiers? Are they cops? They're not clones. So I was like, I wasn't quite sure what they were. Well, we get a little hint what they are because as the Bad Batch walks towards Sid's office, we can see several of the pikes walking out in an early bird cameo Ah. that they will mention later. They will explain that our main antagonist is working for the pikes, but we do actually see them leave the office. They enter the office, Sid's office, and discover that it has been taken over. Now, I went to Wikipedia. Actually, Mm -hmm. when I watched this last night for the first time, I paused on the credits. Wikipedia, the guy's name. It's Roland Durand. Okay. It seems like he's a cameo. It feels like he's a cameo. Oh, you mean the voice actor? Well, the voice actor's probably been in other things. I didn't check because we really didn't have time. Oh, okay. Um, But the character, I thought, would be a cameo. Seems like he should be a cameo. He's not. No. And neither neither him nor the mother that will be mentioned several times this episode. Oh, okay. I thought you meant like he's a cameo. I've ever come up anywhere before. Oh, I thought, okay. I thought you were thinking like, oh, he's just a a different Deveronian we've seen earlier in Rebels. Correct. And I was like, oh. I thought he might be Visago. And several people right. on Twitter also thought that he might be Visago initially. Right. But he's not. He's he is not. hot, though. Okay. Yeah. I wrote down. Okay. So I looked up a picture of Visago because I was like, he, I remember, I was like, this is not the first time we've seen a green Deveronian. And I was like, let me look him up because I was like, this guy is like unusually hot. Like, like it was weird. Like he was sexy. And I was like, this is interesting. And then I looked up the picture of Visago. Now to be fair, the animation's slightly different, but Visago's not hot. He's just an average looking Deveronian. And the only other Deveronian we've seen was in Mandalorian and he was fat and ugly. So this guy's hot. We've seen one in, yeah, we've seen one for like two seconds in a new hope. There was like a devil mask that they bought at fucking well, Party City or something yeah. to slap on. Uh, yeah. Like, this guy was smoldering. Yeah, Roland. Like, Roland's absolutely, like, just dro- has no business being as hot as he is. Yeah, it Has weird, no business. His, like, angles on his face, like, he looked like he, they made him, like, look handsome on purpose. Like, it was a, a, a choice. I have a theory about this. Yes. And we will get to it later in the episode as okay. to why he's as likable as he is. So Omega recognizes the pet. Now, before I, I tell you whether or not what's going on here, Bradley, do you remember if we have seen this pet before? Okay, so the only reason why I, I'm assuming we have is because Omega recognizes the damn thing and says calls it a name. Um, and she's like, oh, look, it's Ruby. And I was like, do we fucking know what this thing is? Like, have we seen I had the exact same reaction. Like, I was like, what is this? Was this from the first fucking episode? Like, I genuinely did not know if we've seen this thing before. I looked it up. (laughs) It is from episode seven. Shut I believe. the fuck up. It is episode seven, I believe, which is the one with Rex. I thought you were going to say two or three. Mm, Nope. So what that is? What? It, yeah, that is in the opening sequence of that episode. Yeah, they're fleeing, like from pursuers. Okay, away from the planet, and they have this thing in a box, and the thing gets loose and jumps on Wrecker, or something happens with Wrecker. Oh. Okay. <laughs> There's slapstick. And then they hand it over to Sid, and that's the end of it. Wow. Like, it's literally like this random thing that they picked up in the episode. That's, that was so, like, I genuinely was like, was there a whole, I was like, literally thinking in my head, like, she called it something. So I was like, is there a subplot that I don't remember? Like, it's, <laughs> it's part of the first two minutes of Battle Scars and then is never brought up again until now. Okay, well, that was unfortunate because I, I just, I don't know. Like, that was bad. <laughs> maybe, like, maybe they intended the show to be more, like, bingeable after the fact. 
if that's yeah. the case, why not drop the whole thing? That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, like why? Because you're right. That is something that like only like you would see on something like Netflix where like you can only do it for a, a second in the first or second episode because then you're just going to see it again six or seven episodes later and you've already been watching them in order and they're only 22 minutes long anyway. So yeah, would, like if you, you were watching it. this, this would be like an hour and a half or so later. Right. And you're like, two oh, okay. hours later, you're like, I get and be like, oh, okay, that's the thing. Yeah. When it's five weeks from now. Yeah. You're like, what? Yeah. That's what that's is not, going no. on here exactly? Well, what's worse is like in, you know, three weeks when the finale comes out, I'm not even going to remember this fucking thing then. Watch, oh. it'll be like a huge part of the plot of it. Yeah. It's got like midichlorians like in its asshole or something. It's like poison. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so Omega, they discover that Sid has been kicked out. Hunter's like, well, Nothing to be done, I guess. Gotta go home. Omega's like, uh, we gotta help Sid, which is a very like it's contrasting Hunter's mercent more mercenary attitude with Omega, kind of I've talked about last time. Right. Omega kind of being the heart of the team, keeping Hunter on on the path. Part of my issue with this is Hunter never actually has a chance to tell Omega that they're not going to do it like directly after she says anything before Sid interrupts. This is the first of many times that the addition of one or two lines of dialogue could have amped up the emotional stakes and they just didn't. Right. It's also like, it kind of takes away the decision-making process. Like it's very much like, like before he can say, Oh, this is why we're not going to go save her. Sid's like, well, of course, only one of you likes me. Right, which, I mean, <laughs> like, Sid was the best thing in this episode. Yeah, no, I'm not, I'm, yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna really give any critique to Sid. Only, the only thing is that they did kind of use her as kind of the, I don't want to say the, the MacGuffin of the episode, but very much like she, she's the only thing that moves the plot forward. It's like, it's weird. Yeah, it's, there really is no agency displayed by characters in this episode to do things yeah just i mean honestly just sid is the only person who said anything and, yeah has any kind of agency whatsoever because it's her job i guess on the line yeah she basically she makes all the decisions like omega jumps in in the next scene of the ship when sid is like oh i uh I've been keeping your secrets. And Omega immediately jumps in. And is like, we have to help her. It's like, Omega, she just tried to blackmail you. What the fuck are you doing, girl? But yeah, Sid, Hunter is immediately like, okay, fine. We're going to help Sid. Yeah. Not even resisting that hard. Sid does mention an Issa Durand. This character has, my understanding, never been mentioned before. And is mentioned like four times throughout the episode, which is weird. Put a pin in that because that goes back to my theory. Okay. Sid says that her plan is to steal rather than go after Roland directly. Sid is going to steal Spice from Roland to make a deal with the Pikes fall through, which in fairness is not a bad plan right my only issue with the plan is that it seems like a very roundabout way to like get rid of roland like it's very much like let's let somebody else do the dirty work while we do minor dirty work to make it happen like i don't know well that's sort of what makes the plan work is that if if you can piss off the pikes to do it for you so that everybody wins sid doesn't even have to be involved pikes don't even have to know who she is right and they clearly do but it also ends up not working yeah for stupid reasons that we'll get to later i'm sorry if you liked this episode i am just going to tear it to pieces well i'll tell you because even i was gonna say on my uh tv time app only 50 percent of people said wow this was a good episode so that's like five stars wow is five stars 25% 25% said it was still great. Another 25 said it was good. And then me and 
everybody else who's whatever the rest of the percentage is. Of Bradley zero. is up to 0%. Um, well, I was just about to say 0% said it was okay. And 0% like me said it was bad. So you'll have to forgive Bradley. He's a twink who doesn't do math. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying my, my 0% said it was bad. So your 0% said it was bad. So we head down into a sort of mine shaft that's there. Um, somebody on Twitter said that like a few hours before the episode went live is like, oh, this is going to be a very dark episode. And then we get, I, then we get to the episode. It's like half takes place in this cave. And I'm like, ah, I see what you did there. It's kind of a funny joke, actually. I hate cave episodes like that, or just like in, in, in general, because it's just like, why, like the lighting's never going to be good. Like you're not going to be able to show anything in the episode. Like when you're using it, like the way that, that that rebels episode used it with the abandoned base, mm-hmm. like when you're using effectively talked about like dark and light interplay in Mandalorian, it's really good here. It, it almost feels like there's points where they could have gone darker mm. in order to contrast it. Well, almost make it scarier. But like, I mean, I'm still perpetually, Im- yeah, I'm, I'm still perpetually impressed by the animation. Like, it's still really, really good. It's just like, right. I felt like you could have gone a little darker here to make it more scary. Uh, did you catch what the the mine cars are almost certainly a reference to? Um, they are a reference to the video game Minecraft, which is popular with children <laughs> ages. Six to 12. Jesus. That has to be it. (sighs) No, obviously it is. uh, It's got to be a reference to uh, Attack of the Clones. uh, And it would be just the, I guess you call it the droid factory scenes. No, but that's a really, that's a really good point. No, I was thinking like Padme and the, you know, the thing where it moves the, you know. So I had read it as a reference to Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Oh, I thought we were going with Star Wars references, but okay, fine. We're just going with uh, Steven Spielberg references. That's cool. Well, also George Lucas references. Oh, that's right. He's a duh. I was like, he was Indiana Jones. Lucasfilm owns Indiana Jones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And obviously Harrison Ford's, you know, uh, Carbonite Dream is Indiana Jones saga. So I, I get it. Yes. That is exactly how it works. So he might have been at these mine carts at one point. And that's Maybe why we'll we're see that in the Lando show. <laughs> right. Uh, so the mine carts probably a reference to Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, um, particularly with the chase that happened later on. I did not go actually watch the scene uh, to confirm it, but that's what I thought. Uh, they head towards the way in and it's apparently going to take them through a hive which sid mentions when they're right outside the door which sid you need to mention more things when they become before they become relevant honey like stop it i hate that um i had a note here oh god is spiders this is my reaction because i had listened on another podcast i couldn't remember which one but they were talking about how often dave filoni uses spiders Oh, I see. Yeah, they were into the force fighters or whatever. Clone Wars, and then he used them in Rebels, and then again in Mandalorian. And when I saw the webbing, I was like, oh, God, is it going to be spiders again? It wasn't. Actually, you know, I thought it was going to be those spiders, but I don't think they're not. They didn't really. I mean, I guess a little (laughs) bit in Rebels towards the end, but they didn't really swarm like the creatures do in this episode. Like, they weren't very. The creatures in this episode are called earlings okay i didn't really have a chance to look at you know images of them still and not moving yeah it was weird like i never really i mean they kind of show them a little bit at one point when they're getting attacked but i couldn't really tell what they were other than bat like i just didn't know what they were yeah they're kind of bat things record drops a uh thing down the shaft like a dumbass uh they really made Wrecker not as smart in this episode, which mm-hmm. was another thing that bothered me. Because uh, he's, he's not dumb, 
generally, but things when he's firing the blaster later. Yeah. And things like that. I also got serious like Minds of Moria vibes. The way it was like rattling on the way down after he dropped it. It's just I'm a huge nerd who loves Lord of the Rings. So Gosh, that's what yeah. I saw when I saw that. Back in the bar, uh, Sid's accomplices steal Ruby by luring Ruby out. I did want to note that they brought in a Pantoran bartender. I don't know if that was just they felt like doing that or you think there was like a specific reason? Nope. I uh, By this point, I was already so bored and frustrated with the episode that I was starting <laughs> to notice the little details like why gotcha. did they bring in a pan- random Pandoran bartender right. to do this? And I wonder if we've seen this befo- guy before. And actually, I wonder if that's the guy that has the really bad day. No, <laughs> with his car getting stolen. <laughs> I need to check and see if those are similar models because I'm hoping that's the same guy. Okay, wait, this makes, uh, this makes that storyline even better because now I'm remembering it. So not only did I want to know this guy's story. So like not the only keeps happening to him. The story that I came up with, I, if I remember correctly, was that you know, Fennec Shan crashed his car, and then uh, he was on his way to his wife to deliver flowers or something to her, and he could never get there. And then uh, his wife needed to borrow the car, so she was late to her job, and then she got fired, and then now they're both out of jobs, so he had to get a job as a bartender to make some quick money. Um, so this guy's he... <laughs> life has just sucked. <laughs> if it's the same guy. So the Bad Batch gets into the office. Sid is like gross, apparently. That is a lot of spice that she was keeping in the office. Wait, like, that her... is a lot. I think it was her spice. Oh, see, I read it as he just randomly put it there because it was. I I think her exact line was, "He is going to sell spice that I was keeping in the back room." Oh, well, something like that. That's on. That is a lot of spice. Yeah, that was. That is not a small amount of spice. Right. Uh, the hair that they get to uh, kidnap Ruby fucks up and runs away and rushes back. Uh, but it is too late to stop them. And I'm like, there's a sequence where he runs into the closet and like pulls the thing back. I'm like, you didn't have your people like check the thing for obvious secret passages. Also, I didn't quite understand why she, I mean, if she stored it there or if he moved it, why would you like put on top of a secret exit? Maybe if she put it there, she thought that in the event she needed to dump it, really fast she could just throw down the mine shaft she could just throw it down the mine shaft and and bring it back up later right but then that begs the question of why she doesn't just store it in the mine shaft yeah because then it's like a real secret she's leaving it sitting i don't know i have so many questions about this episode it makes very little sense uh so it's an action sequence where they're running away from the guards that are chasing them and they accidentally get attacked by the bugs and they lose the spice. And I want to say one thing that really annoyed me and one thing I really liked. The thing that really annoyed me was at one point they say, okay, go ahead and activate the motors. Earlier in the episode, Tech said, if you give me a minute, I can get the motors running. Right. And Sid said, no, don't do that. So they use the hand cranks. Right. I, I now notice that too. You flip a switch and the motors can go. When did Tech fix them? Because he was up moving the spice down. And why did he fix all 16 of the carts and not just the two they were riding on? Well, he, he, they do only hit the motors on the two they're riding on. No, I'm talking about the bad guys. Oh. They, they also the hit their switch. Really? Oh, to catch up with them. That makes no sense. That... I know that's my tech point. Is, tech is very rarely wrong about technology and things. Like that's not Tech's character flaw. He's one of his strengths is that he's very knowledgeable. So like, I don't know. I don't understand. Yeah, I felt like it was a little bit of a loss. Yeah, they kind of fucked up on that one. I did like Omega whipping out her light bow and and just seeing it in action more. Yeah. See, I didn't even 
I don't even remember that happening. So that's how zoned out I was in this episode. <laughs> how many times did you watch it? Once. Once, just the once. Yeah, I could. Yeah, I watched it. It was really hard. It was. I watched it twice. I watched it last night, and was whelmed. And I watched it again today, right before uh, I did a little bit of streaming. And I was. I actually, the more I studied it, the more I disliked it. Yeah. So I was like, honestly, if I don't like it after one viewing, I'm like, if I keep, if I look at it again, I'm going to be able to pick it apart more. And I just, I couldn't do that to myself. It's one of those episodes I'll watch as part of the overarching marathons. Like if I were to marathon the whole show, I would obviously watch it as part of that, but it's not an episode I would voluntarily pull up and watch. Right. Exactly. It's not an episode. Like I'm going to get drunk on white claws Mm -hmm. and decide to put something on the TV it, this is not something I'm going to pick. Exactly. Uh, so the aliens that they're with squeal to Pike or squeal to Roland, uh, but the Pikes show up and are pissed. The Pikes being the only semi reasonable people in this episode. Right. Because they're like, no, actually, we're going to murder you. But then they're like going to take him away. I guess they just don't want to get him down right there. They mention Obadiah, or he mentions Obadiah. He says, go back to Obadiah. Obadiah is the Pike homeworld. We've seen it before in Clone Wars, mm-hmm. uh, in the Lost Missions, and then we saw it again. Uh, that's where Ahsoka and the Martez sisters were held. So I suspect the Pikes are kind of a cameo, but I'm not prepared to call them one just because they are a thing that exists in the universe. Yeah. But they probably did use the assets from season seven of the Clone Wars. Oh, you know what? I was, I, I, I was misspeaking when I was talking to somebody about this episode earlier. I was confused. You talked to fights. other people about Star Wars besides me. I know. It's crazy, right? Um, Shockingly, I was, Bradley I was has wrong. friends. I was wrong this time. Um, so... I thought Pike was just the name of the crime syndicate, not the name of the species, um, which it is the name of the species. Um, what's weird is that we've seen one live action and it was in uh, the solo movie and it was on the spice mines of Kessel. The guy with like the keys in his hand or whatever, like yes. the, the slave owner guy or whatever is a Pike. So mm-hmm. that's what they look like. I misconstrued. There was another, cause they have these weird like things coming out of their face um, that look like mouths or something or like little weird mouth things. And I was comparing it to one of the um, aliens we see in the cantina in the original star Wars that has like a weird tube for a mouth. And I was comparing it to that. And I don't know why that just randomly. I just, the, at I think it's a talls. Okay. It is called a Muftok. What the fuck is a move talk? I don't know. That's for some reason I thought that's what a pike was, and that sounds like a Star Wars sex position. <laughs> a move, a move talk, <laughs> um, is a male talls. What is a talls? Oh, the species is tall. A oh, move talk oh, is his name. I, I was right. It is a talls. Okay, sorry. Move talk was his name. A talls is what I was thinking. What the pikes were, because they have the oh. same. Like they have like a weird mouth piece thing and i was confusing that because they have this weird eyes and stuff and so i was like okay so i clearly know nothing about star wars let's move on um oh oh because i just saw what my next note was okay what's your next note? this is the this is by far the stupidest decision that anyone makes in the entire episode. Okay, great. So Sid thinks that the plan has worked, but she does not have confirmation that people have actually left the bar. (laughs) So instead of trying to find her two dumbasses or sending in one of the bad batch to do some recon on the bar and see if they're like gone or just something waiting for 48 hours. Right. She's like, let's head straight back in there 
with everyone together and just assume they're gone. So they're walking out of the office literally right at the moment that they walk in and see the bodies. And I'm like, Sid, what the fuck? What uh, the fuck? You couldn't have given it six hours she to make given it sure? 30 minutes and it would have been enough time. I mean, damn. Yeah, like seriously. And I also just didn't like how quickly the plan falls apart. Like it literally, they walk back in and all of a sudden Sid's like, they're like, we don't have the spice, but we know where it is. Like, why would you say anything? Why wouldn't you just be like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, Well, because the Pikes make the correct decision to just kill everyone in the room and not bother with these people anymore. Oh, that's very smart. Yeah, that's true. And since Omega is in the room, that's why Hunter jumps. So Hunter's actions here do make sense. Gotcha. That he jumps in is like, I'm going to protect Omega. Uh, There's a great moment where they're like, we're going to leave you got to leave the kid here basically as a hostage mm-hmm. as collateral and all of the bad batch draws their guns and is like just do not fuck with omega at all when the bad batch <laughs> is standing there but here's what irked me right so sid kind of turns around and is like you don't know who you're dealing with. we need to do this and then they smash cut to them walking into the hangar and somebody's like are you sure it was a good idea to leave Omega with them? I'm like, that all happened off screen. So whatever Omega's reaction was to being left behind, whatever the Bad Batch's reaction was to having to leave her behind, any moments we could have gotten between Hunter, like this could have been a big moment to have Hunter have to leave Omega and we didn't get it. It just cut straight to them. Yeah. I don't know. I almost was like, I almost felt like this was also a cheap way to make Omega not be in the scene because she couldn't do anything in this upcoming, like, you know what I mean? Like they felt like the writers felt like, okay, Omega's worthless in this next scene. There's nothing she can do. All we need to do is pretend to get the spice. We can't get the spice because the bats are going to come. You know, I, I just, uh, it was just, it's, weird. it's a lot of, it's a this episode is a lot of terrible decisions made by the characters, but also missed moments. Yeah, I think I could have stomached some of the terrible decisions if they were setting up these good character moments, mm-hmm. but we really only get one, and it actually comes right up when they get on the ship, where Sid says, "I got her into this mess. I'm going to get her out." It's the best line in the episode because it shows that the reason Sid is is sticking her neck out is because Omega's in trouble. Right. And Sid is partly responsible, owns up to being partly responsible, which we have never seen Sid do Mm. up to this point, and says, it is my responsibility, too, to help take care of her. Sid's the only one that gets anything remotely good in this episode, I guess. I was going to say, the only reason... I I felt nervous, though, when when I was watching this, because... Sid basically gets this like hero kind of story line right here. And I was like, are they setting up Sid to die? God, I hope not. Like I, I genuinely felt like that's what was going to happen. Not maybe not this episode, but I definitely felt like they were setting her up to die. Like it was like a, she needs to sacrifice herself. You know? Remember I mentioned at the top of the episode where I said screenwriting 101, every good screenplay is about a character making a choice. Mm-hmm. A character has to make a choice. Maybe not every good one, but in general, the good ones are going to be about a character making a choice. No one really makes a choice here. This would have been a moment for Sid to do that. Yeah. It would have been a moment for Sid to say, she's in trouble even have an opportunity for Sid to walk away. Yeah, just like, just say, hey, you guys are on your own. Bye. And, like, and then she escape. doesn't. She turns around. If she, if the plot of the episode had been she gets them into this situation, she drags them into it against their will, the whole thing goes to hell. And then she's presented with an opportunity to run. Right. You could do the entire episode up to this point exactly the same. Present her with an opportunity to run. And have her not take it. Mm, yes. And come back for o- and stay for Omega. It's the same issue I had with the Separatist episode. Where 
Echo's quote unquote choice that he makes does not feel strong enough in, and also the same issue I had with Finn in Rise of Skywalker, that it's not strong enough in the screenplay itself and the overall story to communicate it. Right. So I'm just going off because this episode is like a slew of moments that irked me. I was going to say, take us through the next action sequence so we can get to the end so I can like talk about um, your, yeah. your theory is. Yeah, we got we to gotta blow through this to the end. So I am confused about the location of the spice. They fly out to like this ravine, but it like was dumped into the tunnels, I guess, which are supposed to be between the hangar-ish and the bar. I don't know. I was confused why they had to go outside of the city. Someone leave a comment explaining to me why they had to leave that because I'm dumb. The repelling harness, I want to bring those up. They look a lot like they're a nod to the uh, First Order technician uniforms that have the repelling harnesses on them. And then also the resistance sort of mining gear, I think, that they use. You wouldn't have seen this because I think you only watched season one of Resistance. Uh, I watched all of season one. I watched like the first two episodes of season two. We're going to get you to watch Resistance at some point. Just listen to Jagai's and Jedi, Bradley. It They go through every episode of Resistance in detail. You will learn to appreciate this fucking show. Ugh, gosh, I can tell you, honestly, I'd probably wa- rather watch this episode again than watch Resistance. <laughs> oh, oh one, day, one, day, <laughs> one day we will watch Resistance together and that will be the prime content. Uh, I wanted to bring it through repelling harnesses because it's poetry, it's rhymes. Uh, Omega has a nice scene where it seems like she's going to go for the blaster, highlighting that, you know, she's in that soldier mindset of, okay, I need to free myself. Mm. Durant tells her not to do it. They bond. It's a nice scene. Uh, Sid and Wrecker make for an interesting duo. I wish they'd explored this a little bit more. They don't. Uh, They retrieve the spice and they're on their way up. I like that it's Sid's cart that knocks the thing down and not Wreckers. Mm, yes, because like Sid was the one the whole entire episode being like, be quiet, be quiet, don't be quiet, sense. be quiet, be quiet, be quiet. And she's the one that sets the earlings off. I did like that. Here's what I really loved about this climax sequence. The whole show, we have been bitching about tech. Mm. Why is he here? What does he do besides right. say the wrong thing at the wrong time to people? and build a scanner one time and fly the ship right this episode shows what tech actually does he's forward thinking he's already formulating this plan we saw him earlier in the scene he's the one that says they react badly to light he's already proactively building this device and just quickly from random things around the ship is able to basically make a giant flashbang grenade. Yeah, I thought that was great because um, one, it gave him something to do. (laughs) Hooray, tech has done something. Uh, uh, Other than fly the ship, (laughs) you know? And so it's nice that he did something. Although where was um, Echo in this episode? Am I like confused? Am I am I misconstruing? still on the ship. I think he was flying it. I think he was holding it in position while Tech did his thing. So prove me wrong. Um, did he even speak in this episode? Yes. <laughs> when? I specifically noted that Echo was the one to ask when the bar got so crowded because I thought it was weird that for some reason that Echo was the one delivering that line. Okay, so but I was... guess they needed Echo to say something. Yeah. Oh, and cause... he says, "I got the door," and then jams the door. Uh, okay. So he that's did... Echo's contribution to this two, episode. He had two sentences this whole entire episode. <laughs> Some people have said that Echo and Tech should have been combined into a single character. I agree. I don't agree. Really. I think there is a value to be mined from Echo as a former reg. I think it's indicative of the found family aspect. 
of it to where they treat Echo as one of their own, even though he is a was formerly a rag. I also think the show is not exploring these things at all. <laughs> and so it kind of is a missed opportunity, but I think conceptually right. they work as two different characters. Wrecker, somebody noted, I think it was the RuPaul's Potterace account, noted on Twitter, uh, Wrecker <laughs> is fine with blaster bolts, but is afraid of... <laughs> Bugs, which is peak himbo culture. Mm-hmm. I just thought that was funny watch, re-watching this episode. Um, so we get to the final scene. What happens in the final scene is the Pikes are basically, again, doing the smart thing. The Pikes are, are smart in this. They say, we got our spice back. We're good. We have no quarrel with you. Durand, on the other hand... Right. We have beef with. So they basically pin him down. Omega tries to be like, you need to show him mercy. Sid actually agrees with her mm. and says, even after everything he did, Sid was like, just say it's a bad deal and walk away. Right. And the Pikes are like, we don't do bad deals. Nah. We don't do bad deals. They chop his horn off. Now, I was going to say, Roland says at the end of the episode, he says, it's a small price to pay. Now, I don't think he would say that if it grows back. I was thinking like this was like a deer situation. They don't seem to grow back. Um, Right. So he's permanently disfigured for the rest of his life. He's permanently disfigured for the rest of his life. There's two interesting things to note with this interaction. The first is Sid says, if you do this, you'll be starting a war with Issa Duran. Who the fuck is this person? Yeah, why do they keep mentioning it? Good question. I'm about to answer it, but I also want to note (laughs) Roland has a unique model, face and voice. We spent a lot of time on him. Yeah. And we know that by the time of Rebels, Visago operates for something called the Broken Horn oh. Syndicate. So yeah. my theory is that, Reb- is that Bad Batch Season 2 is coming. Okay. And they are setting up things in this episode that will be relevant for Bad Batch Season 2 and into the Lando show that they are developing. Okay, I can see where the Lando show comes in only because the fact that they're bringing up the Pikes in this episode and because they brought them up in the end of the Clone Wars final season. I was thinking they're going to bring back Kira and they're going to bring back Darth Maul in some capacity from the probably solo storyline. Probably in some capacity. Uh, Kira is playing a role, major role in War of the Bounty Hunters, which is ongoing. So we're going to see. I have Marvel Unlimited now. Uh, they put comics on there six months after they come out or whatever. Oh, okay. Uh, so I've been catching up on the past five years of Star Wars comics. Mm. So I'll get to War of the Bounty Hunters at some point, but Kira is playing a major role in that. Spoilers for War of the Bounty Hunters. I guess I just already spoiled it. But no, my theory is. Issa Durand may be a major player in the underworld that they're sitting because they've been itching to do this war in the underworld story forever. Mm. But Roland is going to be a major ally of theirs going into season two. And season two is going to be more about the underworld. The Pikes are going to be involved. Issa Durand is going to be involved. Interesting. I, I don't mind it. I just think it would be a weird choice. Like if you're going to do the star Wars underground show that existed all the way back in the, whenever, you know, why don't they just do it? Like you're talking about underworld, which was not strictly speaking about an underworld war. Like that's what solo solo was supposed to be a trilogy. Yeah. It was supposed to be like, it would build up to this, like, war for control of the underworld and obviously that did not end up happening although there are rumblings that 
there may be a solo return in some form and then obviously they're doing the lando show right so hmm. but that's that's my theory within the context of bad batch they wouldn't spend a whole episode reinforcing how scary isa durand apparently is if she wasn't going to play a major role and we have so much we have to deal with this episode and the I last also, three episodes and i also thought it was weird at the very very end you know um omega talks about roland and she's like well if the dog likes him then like obviously like he's not that bad you know so they're setting up some weird like she's gonna have a relationship with him later or something like it's weird like yeah like they'll bond they bond through the yeah. pet thing and like they're setting him up as an eventual ally if if it weren't for all the mentions of the mom, if they had just done that for the episode, like he had eventually come around, they had tried to stop the Pikes. Even if they failed, he recognized that, oh, okay, they tried to show me mercy. That would have been one thing. Mm-hmm. The fact they mentioned the mom so much over the course of this episode really led me to be like, they want to reinforce Issa Durand as a person that exists and i just don't think that whole subplot will have time to come up in the last three episodes oh i i know for sure it will so i because there's only three episodes left so i don't know what that means because obviously my thought process on the three episodes is the next one is either the uh, next one is called War Mantle. Okay, so I don't know what that means, but it's either a standalone by itself, whatever, or it's just going to be a setup episode for the two-part finale. You don't know what War Mantle means. Oh, well, I mean, you explained it earlier, but it means like the cancellation of clones or something. But yes, it's it's the major imperial initiative that forms the backbone of most of this series. Right. But what I, what I mean by the episode title, calling it War Mantle, it just means setting up the finale of yeah. we're going to get rid of the clones. Yeah, I... And, like, if they end up going in the clone rebellion direction, mm-hmm. that's... They gotta give that more than 20 minutes. Well, they're giving it 40 because they're giving it part one and part two, probably. <laughs> Possibly. Like, maybe they'll go back to Camino and there'll be a clone uprising like there was in that level of the good Battlefront 2. Well, that's where the episode ended. Bradley, say, do you have any final thoughts on the episode? Final thoughts were, I like the new character. I don't know if... My thing is, if this was just a one-off random introduction of this character, they spent a little too much time on him and then also not enough time on him at all. So it would have been a waste if that's the case. It also seems like you're right. There might be more to him than meets the eye robots in disguise. Um, I don't know what the fuck they're planning on doing. I genuinely don't. I still don't believe there's a season two. So if anything, this episode is making me rescind that theory a little bit because of all this, the weird stuff they're introducing in this episode. Like it's just too much stuff. Like it's weird. Yeah. It's, it definitely feels like they're setting up stuff that I just don't see them having time to yeah. satisfyingly deal with. But at the same time, it is Dave Filoni and he moves at a breakneck speed yeah. through his shows. So I'm, I'm still on the, maybe they'll pull like they did with Loki and the Bad Batch will return in season two randomly at I, the end of the episode. I don't know. All right, let's do socials so I can bleach that episode out of my brain. (laughs) Right. We have a new social to announce. (gasps) We are on TikTok now. I am 30 and don't know what a TikTok is, but Bradley has assured me that it is hip with the young people. So Bradley, what is our uh, TikTok at so the people can find us? So our TikTok is going to be at Gold Squadron Gaze. You guys can find us on there. Um, We will start posting stuff as soon as possible. Uh, We want to um, start growing that as a fun way to, you know, do previews of our episodes, to just do a little bit more content. Um, We may or may not 
you know, post random shit on there too, because that's kind of what it's for. So, you know, maybe we'll put announcements on there. Maybe we'll put um, content. Maybe we'll just just put recaps on there. You never know what you're going to see on there. We've, so. we've been working very, very hard to make sure that it's something that's going to be awesome, something that's going to be of, of a good quality. Uh, we're really proud of what we came up with. So give us a follow at, at Gold Squadron Gaze on the TikTok. You can find us on Twitter at, at Gold Squad Gaze. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at, at Gold Squadron Gaze. You can also find me on Twitch at CWRogers6. It's the same as my Twitter handle. Uh, we play Star Wars games every Monday. We're currently playing through Fallen Order, although we are reaching the end of it. And I haven't decided what we're playing next, so come over and hang out once the podcast episode drops. Bradley, do the thing so I can uh, go do something else, please. And check us next week and every week for another episode of Gold Squadron Gaze. Obviously... Uh, Thrawn is going to be played by um, Steve Carell. Yes. And, um, you know, of Office fame. Because, uh, you know, everybody knows that he is a huge, obviously, fan of Thrawn. And why would obviously. He? obviously. He's read all the, he's read all the books. All he's the read books. He's read on Flight. Yeah. Uh, he's read... Uh, he read all the Legends the books. Thrawn duology. Yeah. <laughs> I was about to um, list off all the Legends books just then.